0: The Rob Hartstein unplugged section, which I know you've been waiting for the entire time that you've been here, um, is uh, going to be, I don't want to say a rant, it's going to be a shir. It's going to be a shir in something that I'm most sensitive about, but it's kind of funny that on one hand you can be sensitive about something and realize that probably everybody in this room has or will, including your Rebbe, violated it. And that's the topic that I'm supposed to be teaching here in yeshiva, which you guys may remember from previous years, and that's uh, honesty in business. And I am wowed, each time I go to America, stories that happen about dishonesty in business, about shtick that people pull. The reason why I bring this up specifically is um, I'm a bit of a hermit when I go to America. My uh, wife knows, Baruch Hashem. I leave, she always says you live a different life when you're in America because I wake up very very early because of jet lag and I'll exercise which I don't ever do I exercise first and then I go to Rabbi Solosky's uh, morning kolo and at nights, I try to stop that's all I do I don't, I, don't, I don't know I don't get together with friends and go out and I certainly don't go out and drink it. so there has been one client of ours that we have a wonderful person who's been for, like, months. He's like, come on, let's go out to dinner one night. I want to go out with you. You've done so much for us. You bring us so much business. Like, okay, no, what's the difference? So we went out. We went out to a very, very fancy restaurant in Muncie where he paid $87 for my steak and insisted that I also get a first course and drinks and the whole ganze chef and um, dessert. Right? Uh, not, not the point. <laughs> and I was very enamored with the fact that we were sitting in Muncie, Yerakoydush, and it was ninety nine percent of the people, because I'm the one percent, were Hasidish, and uh, I was just wondering, what are these all these people? How do they afford eighty seven dollar stakes? <laughs> and that my stake was on the cheaper end. So he said to me, um, "Oh, that guy over there. Oh, I'm sending you. I'm going to send you a WhatsApp. The number I that one. This guy made hundred million dollars in five weeks. Kid. He was a kid. He's twenty four years old." It's telling me the story. Wow, he didn't speak a word of English. He only knows Yiddish as his first language. They had to have some teacher come in to help him, and and he does X, Y, Z, Z. I'm like, oh, that sounds a little. He goes, yeah, it's a little questionable, but. uh, he goes, oh, that guy at the table there is sitting with eight people. He's probably taking them all out. $250 million. What does he do? He's in a business, very interesting business. Because of COVID, there's state funding that you get. And, and, and he says 70%, this is what he tells me, 70% of funding that's going, there's a, pre, a post-COVID uh, refund policy, not refund policy, uh, relief programs for people who were affected by COVID psychologically. Guess what? 70% or something like that, 83%, whatever it was, of the people in New York State that are getting this funding are religious people, Haredi people, Hasidic people. So I said, aren't you scared? He's going to go, no, 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 don't worry about it. The governor found out about it before she was elected, and she went to them and she said, you guys are in trouble. Like I can report you to the federal government. They're going to do an investigation. You guys are dead. So, he, so uh, guess what? they said to her, what if we elect you? We'll make sure you get elected, which she did. So, you So what did he say to me? He says, what's the difference? She's dishonest and, and they're dishonest. Okay. I said to him, what? I don't understand. What's going on over here? I said, it doesn't bother you? Where's the Erlich kite? Where's the... the? So, uh, maybe you didn't want to hear this. <laughs> I'll tell you the word that I told him. Rav Ochanan Wasserman, he was the first that I was introduced to this. Rav Ochanan says this many, many times. We had Rav, uh, Rav Sachs here um, from Turo, used to be from YU, who said this over as well. Rav Ochanan loves saying this all the time. But this is originally from Rav Wasman. Wasserman. Rav Ochanan Wasserman writes in his sefer, Kuntra Seferim. He speaks about Avoyedus Hashem. And he said in Avoyedus Hashem, there's a concept called Ratzon Hashem. He said we have a rubric of Sidrei Halacha. Halacha literally... From the word halicha, it makes us walk, it tells us what to do, and it tells us every area of what to do. What do you make on this, but I was actually last night, I was, I was laughing. Uh, there are some people in life who are walking halacha. We had this chus of having Rabbi Savlusky this Shabbos in our community. So Rabbi Savlusky will walk into a room, and be like, shh, wow. A lot of Shilohs here with the That doesn't. That's, really, that's that's an ishalacha. He walks into a room and he says, "Ooh, wow, there's a Shiloh macha here, right?" right? Or, or he gets a business situation. He says, "Ooh, big shiluvs ribbit." The other people, <laughs> that's not the way they live their life, right? They walk into a situation and go, "Ooh, look at the snacks here. That's good, you know, right?" Okay, so uh, I try to take uh, a little bit of my rebbe's uh, derech. So I was, I saw some video that uh, was cute oh, it's, it's a place actually here there's a place that just opened in Beit Shemosh uh, a falafel place and it's called Shehakol <laughs> Nyebid right, cute that's what it's called Shehakol <laughs> <laughs> Nibidvara. that's cute so then I said ooh, that's a Shiloh The store's big an open Shiloh what bracha do you make on falafel? no, first of all you're washing on the falafel anyway but okay I said Shehakol <laughs> Nyebid is that what they're saying? it's a vachlekes whether it's a dum or a shahakol but says a bracha says it's a it says it's okay, fine I said that's what a Jew's supposed to do Okay. That's Mitzat Halacha. Says Wasmerin, there's a second section here that's equally as important and that's of HaShem. And The great example that I give is that there are some times where Halacha will dictate one thing and Ratzon HaShem di- dictates another thing and you have to go with Ratzon HaShem. Rav Arshon speaks a lot about this. COVID unfortunately taught us this lesson so, so well. Yes, the halacha tells us that we're supposed to dominate a the minion. But then all of a sudden, COVID rules taught us that even though there is a miut and, and it's not necessarily, again, we're learning a lot more, unfortunately, in the, in the number of years, we'll learn a lot more about what COVID was and what it wasn't. Did we need all the lockdown and so on and so forth? It doesn't matter. But the government says you're not allowed to dominate. So now what do you say? I know better than the government. You're going to tell me I can't dominate a minion? You're going to, men, going to be told they can't go to the mikveh? What? And all of a sudden, they circumvent what the real halacha is. This is a terrible, terrible thing because it violates Rav, Rav Elchanan Wasserman's idea of Ratzon ha- Hashem. You could literally be doing in the middle of a mitzvah, right? Probably the most famous example of this that I love to pet peeve about is the minion on the plane, right? This flight, I will admit, for the first time in my entire history of unfortunately flying, I wish I could say the word dozens, but probably hundreds of times, it was an announcement by a flight attendant on United that said, Myriv will start in 10 minutes in back of the plane. This will be the only authorized Myriv by United Airlines. It will not bother anybody. It will be in 10 minutes. Nobody will get up until I announce. I promise you, you'll have enough time for Barucho. This is what the guy says. What a kid is Shosham. Now, some argue you shouldn't dive in there either. That's true, because it happens to be right when we started Myriv, another flight attendant, a woman, said, What's going on over here? This is crazy. Who authorized this? And the guy was like, I don't you know. She didn't like the fact... So we, we know the situation. You've all seen the situation, specifically on El Al, but on all, every airline where the Hasidim and, the, and, the, and all the people should make fun of the Hasidim, everybody's there, davening, and they're blocking the bathroom, they're blocking the aisles, and people can't get through, and there are carts. In a, so that's, that's not Ratz Hashem at all a sudden. And yes, it's difficult to say, I, I, but the same thing applies in the, in the business world. There's a Ratz Hashem, and there's a technicality to say, well, maybe I can. Rav Jake just came up to me, and he said... So you teach a lot about about the concept of of um, ona. Oh, no? So I said, "Well, I, I have to know why you're asking me. <laughs> What's going on here?" So he shows me apella pella That's uh, apella <laughs> and it speaks about in strict terms the violation of of ona. So he defines ona a little bit differently. We've, we've discussed the topic of Gnevis das. So, so he says, how can it be that somebody sells you know the, the, the famous uh, strawberries? Strawberries are now in season now. So they, what do they do? They put the big, plump, fat strawberries on the top, and the bottom has the yucky strawberries. That's a violation. It's a violation. So I said to him, well, the truth is, technicality-wise, it may not be a violation because most people are smart and know. When you go to the movie theater or when you go to Levatora and they tell you that a can of soda is eight shekels, you know that there's something wrong there. It's not supposed to cost 8 shekel, but you know there's a convenience factor now. How there can be one for 8 shekel and one for 7 shekel in the same place. I don't know. Okay. But that's not oh no. You go into the movie theater, you go to a baseball game and, and and a bottle of Coke is 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 you know 650. You know what the you know you know they're not duping you. You're not going to walk out of there and walk into the 99 cent store and say, "Wait a minute, why is it a dollar here?" It used to be a dollar, right? That's not so, Rav Jake said something correct. He goes, Yeah, it may not technically be a violation of O'Na. But is that the way you're going to live your life? Is that the Ratzon Hashem? We can get out of all the technicalities of the world and we can follow the first Nakuda of Rav Khanan and say the Nakuda is, it's in the Sitri Halacha, in Choshin Mishma, Paskin. But there's a heter over there. There's a heter, the Sma says over there, Pischa Choshin says. We can find a heter. Oh, I found the chew from Rev Zilberstein. Okay, but that's not it. I give you a great example. You've, you've probably heard this example before. It's it's really guided me on a path. I'll give you the example. I'll discuss this in a few weeks with the guys. Reuven Zilberstein has a question. You know, I, I, I love Rev Zilberstein questions. Rev Zilberstein has the following shiloh. When he when he gets upset about things, it always happens in America. When there's something like you know, so oh, in America, this happened. So he tells over the story that in uh, America, specifically in Lakewood, Yeshiva, Lakewood is the, if I'm not mistaken, I think the largest Yeshiva in the world. Sorry to say that to Mir, but I think it's larger than Mir. And apparently they have a huge parking lot. So now it's the time of Mincha, and like every good Jew, everybody shows up a minute before thinking they'll find the spot. You know? So the guy's late to Mincha, and it's a minute before, and he can't find the spot. Uh, apparently there's like a thousand spots. Nothing. What do you do? So he finds the spot, Baruch Hashem, the first spot is available. What's the first spot? A handicapped spot. And In his mind, he says, I, I've been to Lakewood Yeshiva my whole life. I've never seen a handicapped person. I've never seen a handicap person. Uh, technically, you have to put a handicapped spot there because it's the law. Uh, well, who cares? He goes and runs the Dabba Mincha. Baruch Hashem, he makes it, he comes out, and you're not going to believe it. He's blocked in by a handicapped van. He feels terrible. Uh, I can't believe he did this. What a terrible thing guy rolls down the window and he says I, 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 can I be honest with you I've never seen a handicapped person here I didn't even know there was such a thing you know in the lake would you shoot he says okay that's really nice but I miss mincha because you. I also was running late and I knew I could pull into my spot and get out I could I can't park anywhere else I couldn't get out of my I, I, I really really feel I'm really sorry I feel terrible so the guy says good that's nice and he says okay can you just move your car like move your truck you know I was like, no, 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 I'm not moving my truck. So why not? He was like, call the police. I said, what? He said, the only way you will never park in a handicapped spot again is if you get a ticket. And in, in, in New Jersey, you get a nice ticket. They give you a nice, fat, 350 ticket. They put you on a list. You can, the next time you get a ticket, you get points. point. It's a whole thing. So he was very upset. And uh, this guy said, it's against halacha what you're doing. You have to give me a chance. So if Zilberstein paskins actually, that halacha, you should always give a person a chance. We should never call, it's called Nasira, we should never call the authorities, unless God forbid they're threatening someone's life, or, or their physical or spiritual life, or God forbid it's a, a, you know, a situation of a sexual predator, I'm not talking about that. But in a, in a, in a situation where, right, okay, he did something wrong, Yishkoiach, he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, shovel his path, whatever it might be, okay, talk to the guy first. You could threaten him and say, I'm going to call the town, you're to get a take. So now the Shiloh seems to be over, and then he stops. He says, but I have to point out one thing. This guy that's in the car, that took the handicap spot, let's say it was Mincha Gadol, right? He went to the 120 Mincha. Now it's, the whole thing happens, two o'clock now, he should daven again. What? The Zilbershine are screaming. Tfilah tfilah to'eva. It's an abomination, that's not a davening. You didn't daven. What is she doing? It feels an abomination in front of Hashem. You want to get close to Hashem in this way through parking illegally? As I I heard this sheer and I remember writing it down in my other notebook, not the fancy shmancy Reb Hartzi wants to tell it. And it, I'm like, wow. And Hashem loves me. He just, he does. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't have exclusive right of him loving me. He loves all of you too. And I'm driving that morning to drive my kids to school, one of the craziest, scariest things in the morning. Ramapé Chemish turns into between 7.30 and, and 8 o'clock. It's bedlam, right? Because, you know, 5,000 cars are getting on a road that fits like two, you know? And fine. So when you go up, Nachal Tariq, on the right side, there's, there's Le Belio, the minion factory, and it's already very tight to get up. And this, I don't know what we should call this gentleman, but uh, I don't have a good name for him. And he's, he decided to go to Davening. And he was blocking. He parked illegally. So that now, only one car can go up at a time. So either you go up or down. And then we're playing this game of, of chicken. This goes up. I'm like, this is and it's literally losing five minutes now. My kids are going to be late. I'm going to be late for shul. And Hashem loves me. Because as I'm about to turn to go around the wrong way, he is getting back into his car with his filler. I heard the show the night before. I rolled down my window, my kid's like, Abba, please, Abba, don't. Abba, please, Abba, don't. Which obviously for an Abba, for a father, encourages me to do it. <laughs> and I'm like, Slicha, slicha." Can, can? Like, I go, Kudavon again. He's like, What? I go, Kudavon again. Park your car normally. Kiat shalcha, toeva. This guy looked at me and started screaming at me, No, miyata! <laughs> it was like, Great. And I felt like a million dollars I kept driving. <laughs> Imagine if that's really true. The first year that I give to all of our business students, I quote two Gemaras that seem to be arguing with each other, Gemara Shabbos, Gemara Sanhedrin. What is the first question the Shalom will ask you Achar Meya Vyasimashana? And the first question, as we know, is Nasat Nasat Were you honest in your business dealing? And only the second one is Kave Mator se Yeshua, Pavalta all those different questions. But there's another Gemara that says that Dino Shel Al So I bring this machlaikas to the guys to open up their minds. The Shana Aleph guys and I say it seems to be a machlaikas. One Gemara says the first question is going to be, "Were you honestly visiting?" The, the other Gemara says, "Were you Kovei Eitzim L'Tayra?" Which one is it? Torah or not? Can I get kulu? What do you think? Let's see if you remember my answer. What do you guys think? Any answers? The same thing. What did you say, Sleepy? The same thing. Meaning? Very good. Wow, Very, very beautiful. Beautiful answer. Can I tell you the greatest answer I ever got? Really, from a Shanael student. He said the first Gemara is talking about modern Orthodox people who work. The second Gemara is for Haredim who... Okay, it's cute. No, that's not good. So what you're getting at is what the uh, Rush says. The Eliyahu Rabba quotes it. The Lavush, Eliyahu quotes it. He says, the Rush says, if your business dealings are not honest, then your Torah is worthless to the Rabbanu Shalom. It's an F-S. It's a zero. It's a nothing. Rabbanu Shalom says to you, no, 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 no. uh-uh, No. Absolutely not. Not interesting. You can't be, you know Famously, I've quoted before the beautiful words of Rav Huttner. Rav Huttner, of course, famously wrote the Pachad Yitzchak. And in the Pachad Yitzchak, he has letters. Rav Huttner is a very, very interesting individual. not only the Risheshiva of Torah Vadas, but he's just a really, really colorful person. And uh, Rav Huttner tells the story. of My Rebbe Aaron Zalvechik was a Talmud of his. He, he taught a little bit briefly there. And he tells a story of uh, a letter that was written to. Uh, to Rav Hutner and he says I don't understand this is in the Pachad Yisla like in the letters and he says I don't understand he said you told me that it's time for me to get a job I've been learning in for X amount of years it's time for me to get a job so now I get a job and now I'm living a double life you know the work world there's there's there, you know there's religious Daniel and then there's Daniel in the work They're different people and the response you can see how upset Rav Hutner is and Repertner writes you think I would have put you in this world if I thought that that's the way that it is and then he writes in English he says you're not living a double life you're living a broad life right what? he's, he's living a double life but he shouldn't be a broad life correct meaning he says uh, you should be living because if you're actually acting the way that you say because you know what a double life is a double life is is that let's say the craziest case right you have a guy who lives in Israel and every six weeks he travels to America that oh, was some crazy case, right? And there he's got another house with another family. And he goes and he visits his wife there. Crazy, right? Who would do that? No, no right? And he happens to go during the holiday season, so that is, no. no. That's a double life. A broad life is that he goes to, he goes to every six weeks, unfortunately, but he goes to America, and he has shoe room over there, and maybe he gives a share at YU because finally somebody pushed him to give a share in YU. Right? And he talks to his tummy dim. That's called a broad life. Yeah, I'm different. My, my, you know, my wife's joke. All of a sudden you're exercising? Who are you? Okay, we, we, we could live differently sometimes. And yes, there's, there's going to be vacation, Daniel. We go on, but it shouldn't be vacation, Daniel. It's, oh, we go to Turks and Caicos and therefore we don't eat kosher. And therefore, because I'm going in the business world and I say to Shalom, Right after my dafiyo michir, what do I say to Hashem? Hashem, I'm leaving my tefillin here in shul with you, God. Don't join me in work because that's not, that's not the religious guy. And I may even take my yarmul off because I don't, want, I don't want there to be a chil Hashem because you don't know what I do. I've told this story before. I went for a job interview once, a friend of my uh, parents who owned a big company. And it's very smart when you go for job interviews, after the interview, try to talk to people in the office. You'll see people usually very friendly. Huh? how is it working here? Right? You'll never know. I always say this about the yeshiva. Any smart fathers who uh, you know come with their sons on these trips, forget about whatever. Whatever you know, I used to do that. I tell, I get about oh, no, and I tell you all these great things about the yeshiva. Everybody does that. I'm kidding. It's not it's a wonderful yeshiva. You know? So, but ask the students. You guys, right? The guy, the Shanaal guys, they have nothing to lose. They'll tell you everything. There was a guy that once came here. I won't say his name but I always remember it. it's such a great story his father's this big guy successful business person and he was shocked because we were third on the list he didn't think this was a good place for his son and after spending the day here he loved this place so um, he said we became pretty close when I, when I ended up going to Toronto I stayed at their house and he said to me you know how I chose a sushiba for my son? He said, because when I told you, okay, I'm dropping my son off now, I'll, I, I'm leaving, I'm leaving for three hours, I'm going to go do something. I don't want to sit in classes, I'm not coming to yeshiva. He would sit outside and wait and see if guys are leaving the yeshiva. And he said when he went to another prominent yeshiva, I won't mention the name, guys were going out all the time, there were cabs waiting outside, they were leaving, leaving, leaving. And he would ask the guys, where you guys go? We're going to party, we're going to this, Go to that. He said in Leivatar, the guys were happy, they were telling me good things, that we pay them off well. But that's important. It's consistent. Says Rav Hertner, there can be, you can't live a double life. It's not consistent as a Jew. You're going to go up to Shammai and the Rodes will be like, well, what happened to your business? But I gave so much money to Staka. Look at, look at my shuffling and davening. Look how many times I finished daffi. No. The major, you weren't a good husband, you weren't a good father. That's what's important to me. That's the Ratzel of the Rabat Shalom. It's equal in fitting. Doesn't make sense. He extends this Rabakan and says this doesn't just apply to Jewish people. Jewish people have halachas. Right? Goyim don't have He says, even by the Goyim there's a concept where we say by Bilam, right? That he should have done Ratzel Hashem was not to curse the Jewish people, and that's why he was punished. Right? That's the idea. Um, you have to do rach on Hashem. That's the important part. The, this concept is to try to know the Rabban Shalom. What does Hashem want from me? The mushal that's given, Rabbi Soluski gave this mushal of a chasen. So he goes to his chasen classes. And he said that you are supposed to reach a level in your marriage where you know what your wife wants. So you have day number one. You come to the house. And, so imagine that first day of marriage, you sit in your apartment and everything's like, it's amazing. You can't believe like you're actually allowed to leave, like, live with your girlfriend now. She's your wife now since so winter, right? Philip? And she says to you, do you mind, honey? Can you take the garbage out? Of course, my malka. It'd be my pleasure to take out the garbage <laughs> this is what the Ksuba says, I'm going to take care of you. Like, two nights later, the garbage are getting, there's a little couple, you know, they don't have to throw out the garbage every day, like in my house where we have like 16 garbages every day. She says, honey, do you mind taking the garbage out? Of course. You're the love of my life. The a week later, there's two bi- garbages piling up. She's like, um, hello? Oh my God, you want me to take out the garbage? If you just would have told me. I didn't know. She gets all upset. She starts crying. (laughs) Why is she so upset? She said, because marriage is about knowing me. Knowing what I want. You don't think this is obvious to me? You know I have this crazy thing with God. I have the the great tzachos of being part of a wonderful partnership marriage where my wife is very clean. And Hashem, in His infinite wisdom, but more importantly, humor... Dafka put me with her, the, the, the not cleanest person in the world. And it happens to be that my sister's family as well, my brother-in-law, they're very clean as well. So I have to keep it really clean when I go to America. Except when I go away for Shabbos to a hotel, vey, I feel so bad for that clean lady. Sometimes I leave them a tip because I feel so bad. I leave that place, oh, because it's the only time I get to do whatever I want. It's amazing, Yeah. <laughs> Rubakhan's saying, you need to know the Rubban Hashem. You need to stop saying, No, this isn't Ratzon Hashem. What am I doing? S- Steve Harvey has this uh, you know Steve Harvey, Parish on the uh, on, you know but Steve Harvey yeah. says some good things, he got some good things. So on his show once he had this guy, I think he was Labavitch or Hasidish, I forgot, who uh, bought a table online. And it was an old table, and he wanted it for his desk, and when he opened one of the drawers He found tape to the top, I forgot what it was, $92,000, something crazy. And he comes on to the show to give back the money to this woman, not Jewish woman. And Steve Harvey says to him, my high, legally you could keep the money. Halachnally maybe you could keep the money. He says, because it's not my money. Now it turns out this woman was very poor. Her husband had just died. She forgot to tell him where she hid all the money. She had no money. It was an amazing thing. That's why she was selling the desk. And it was what a kid of that was. But I think more of the Kiddush Hashem was the term that he used, which was, it's not my money. This is not my money. I I, I don't know what to tell you. Nothing good is happening with this money, I am promising. And this happens, we're challenged with this all the time, and it's usually on a smaller level. Went to uh, Target a number of years ago. I hate Target, but I went to Target a few years ago. I had a list to go with the wife. And I love doing the, uh, I don't know why, but I love going self-checkout. I feel like I'm doing something, you know? Uh, it makes me think, okay, Baruch Hashem, you have a good job, you don't have to do this, you know, this is not your real job. So I'm at the self-checkout and I go to put my credit card in and where the receipt is, I see that there's four crisp $20 bills. I don't know if the last person forgot the money, I don't, I don't know if there was a mistake with uh, with uh, you know Target itself, I don't know. And then I'm like, oh my God, I know exactly what this is, I've seen this on TV, Right? It's a show. I'm, I'm going to be on the show. What would you do? What would you do, right? This is it. So thank God there was like a little bit in the thing to like see who's in back you. There's a little bit of a mirror. So I start, you know, doing my hair, <laughs> making sure my yarmulke is on good because I'm going to have, and I'm thinking of a good vort to say when they ask me, why did I do this? They say, the Rambam talks about it. And I take the $80 and I start walking out. And, Excuse me, sir. And he's like, yes. I'm like, yeah, he's a good actor. This guy's a good actor. He looks good. I said, I found $80 there. It came out. It's not my money. Um, I wanted to return it. He's like, oh, okay. He puts it in his pocket. And I'm like, huh? And I'm like, oh, my God. I think this guy just actually pocketed the money. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I go to the car, and I get in the car, and for a split second, I think this. And I'm like, oh, I feel great. It's not my money. I promise you, nothing good is ever happening in this. And on a smaller scale, a very small scale, very small scale, when you guys came over a few nights ago. So uh, that morning, my wife said to me, oh, you didn't put any of the paper goods away. And I'm like, because they're not really ours. I'm like, no, i sure the yeshiva would be mindful, especially for somebody who doesn't get paid at all. You could take, what are you taking, you know, two dollars two, $2 of paper goods? Nah, doesn't, not good. Let's bring it back. You can't tell me it's also to bring it back, but you're supposed to feel good about yourself. Now, I'm not saying to you, I 100% know God's going to pay you back, You'll, you're, you're going to see. I don't know. You know, one time I, um, I was remember this Muslim, or it's one of the greatest Muslim farm. usually. One of the greatest Muslim farm you could ever learn is uh, either a taxi cab in Israel, you know. It's, it's life experiences. So I was in America, back when we lived in America, and I was driving down Cedar Lane in Teaneck, and it was snowing, and my brakes went out. I had no brakes. And it was the scariest thing was going downhill. and I'm pumping the brakes. And I'm like, oh my God, I have no brakes. And it was snowing. And it was slippery. And now I'm trying to remember from God knows how many years ago, what are you supposed to do? The emergency brake. You're supposed to go into it, out of it. I don't know. And then I just lose, total lose control of the car. I put the emergency brake on and the car just goes around and around and around. And, it, and now, as this happens, the car fogs up. I can't even see outside. I don't know what the heck's going on. I'm, and I know I'm about to get, some guy's going to smash, smash my car. And I promise you guys, I literally go around, and around, and around, and around, and the car finally stops. And my heart is racing and I don't even know where I am. And I get out of the car, I look outside, and I promise you, the car's literally parked in the service station where I get my car done. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, And I'm like, what? What the heck is going on here? It happens to be Israeli, Yoram. On um, Cedar Lane? Yeah. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, he comes out and he's like, Daniel, what, the, what are you doing? What is you doing this uh, ap- acrobatically? Everybody saw this. <laughs> I said I lost my brakes. So he gets told me, first he of course has to be Israeli, and he says to me, hey, let me tell you a question. Let's, Israeli, let me tell you a question. You uh, go to dentist. Right, and the dentist says to you, "You have six cavities." I'm like, "That's impossible. How can I have so many cavities?" He's like, "Do you ever brush your teeth?" I'm like, no. He's like, "What do you expect your brace to go? You never take care of your car." Like, okay, that was the first miserable. <laughs> so then I walk into the uh, place, and there's a. Israeli woman who's the uh, secretary who takes care of the things. She doesn't look very firm at all from the way she looks, like at least, or she's very, very poor and needs more clothing, um, money for clothing. Anyway, so she says to me, uh, what happened? And I start going crazy. And I'm like, why would Hashem do this to me? I almost died. It's crazy. And she looks at me and she says, I'm like, yeah. Because you're wearing a yarmulke and the Rabbana Shalom decided that you needed to get a punishment. You could have been on Route 4 on a highway and that would have happened. You would be dead right now. Dead. Forget about your car. Like, Your car didn't get hit. Nothing happened. You ended up in the service station. You have to tow it. Nothing. You say to the wrong Shell, thank you very much. I'm like, Wow. I love that <laughs> That was true. a good Mr. Vaughn. Yeah. And now she's like, okay, it's going to be $1,500. you know? <laughs> We have to look. A lot of times, the only time that we're ever positive with the Ravot shalom is when? When things are going good. I always love to say and when things are going good, we give halal to, to Hashem. It's called Tehillim. And guess what? When things aren't going good, we also read Tehillim. It's a savior for all situations. And when times are going bad that we say, no, Hashem's putting me in the ruts on Hashem situation. I don't have a choice. I understand that. I have to be here. We have to know what Hashem wants of us. That's what is really Yadiyah's Hatayr. Almost more importantly, to understand what Hashem wants of us. This is the whole Indian of chinuch. It's not just about the strict laws. It's like, what, what does Hashem want of me to do? I was having a discussion, I don't know say an argument, with somebody much younger than I am, telling me about Hinokh, and I was laughing at him. So I'm a little bit older than he is, and he's telling me, I don't tell, you know, his chinuch lesson was, he doesn't tell his kids to go to school, He doesn't tell his kids what to eat, he doesn't tell his kids, because that's the way that uh, it's gonna, I'm going to be uh, successful. Because when you tell your kids, you have to, you must, eh? then they're going to go off the dera. So I said, listen, I, 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 didn't, I didn't write a book on, uh, on chinuch lessons, but I know that Baruch Hashem, so far so good, <laughs> I have my uh, you know, third bar mitzvah boy out of four kids. And he's going to Minyan three times a day. And he's learning Daph you know? Now, it could be. Now, it's not because I forced him. I don't, I don't use the word force. as a very strong word. But guess what? He sees his father goes. And I've said this many times. He understands what Ratz Hashem is because he sees his father as Ratz HaNashem. He sees his father and he says to me, you know, and you see this with kids. I said this. I said this already. Maybe I said this to somebody else. I forgot already. I was upset yesterday. I was eating lunch here in the yeshiva, and there were two people having a conversation. They were talking about the. They were talking about the NFL. They were talking about the games on Sunday night, which clearly they watched. And I was surprised that these two very wonderful people. That's what you. That's what. What do our kids see? What do our kids see? Our Ratzon Hashem is? Do they see as avoidus Hashem a secondary? Right? Do they see the avoidus Hashem as, but tachlis but they know. You know what Abba loves? You know, when it comes to Abba's birthday, do they say, just, here's an easy thing, just buy him a Safer. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Or do they say, oh, buy Abba his hobby. Buy Abba another, uh, whatever, another vape. I don't know, whatever. Buy him, buy him ooh, fancy alcohol. Fancy whiskey. You can't go wrong with that, because Abba loves to drink, right? Or get him tickets to this game. I'm not saying I not allowed to watch sports. I'm not saying that. But is that the life? He wants to make a Super Bowl party. I'm not against that. It's a one-off thing, but every Sunday, that's it? That's what his life is about? But when they see the father, that minion is so important, and they, yes, may be annoyed as a 10-year-old that the father's, in the middle of uh, them having a good time somewhere, and saying, listen, i got to go to Mincha, guys. I'll be back. Or the whole family has got to get in the car. We can only go on vacation to a place where there's a minion. Okay. They see something crazy, that that's something that's important to the father. Rosh Hashem. And when it comes to Kashos, so all of a sudden they see the father's not a hypocrite, and he say, I'm sorry, I'm not letting go on this. We are not eating in this place because I don't like what's going on over here. I often here in Israel it's much different, but uh, I deem a place by the mashkiach. Talk to the mashkyach before I'm going to a hotel, I'll talk to the mashkyach and I'll say, Oh, okay, I believe it. That's the Indian Rabbi side. That's what Ratsam Rubana Shalom is. It's a very, very important lesson for us to take. And unfortunately, I see the, the, the opposite. It's not just about what you look like. It's not just about what it seems on the outside and how much are you give. What are you really? Are you doing the Ratzon Hashem? And I understand it's very difficult, especially in Chutz it's you have tuition and you have so many bills and inflation and everything that's going on, uh, But that doesn't mean we're allowed to cut corners. Even if technically what we're doing is not technically illegal. Then that's the problem. I'm talking about the, I'm not talking about the obvious case. I'm not talking about the obvious case of the guy's a drug lord. You know, like he knows what he's doing, he's wrong. Right? But there's the opposite side. I give a, I give a sheer also in business shear, we talk about stock ownership, right? It comes through, we do it right before PaySock, we talk about you have to sell your stock. Which, Probably don't. And then we discuss the ethical nature. Can you own stock that is not great companies? Right? Should I be owning stock in, in a cigarette company? Right? Specifically, cigarette companies which were well known to uh, market to kids, vaping companies, drug companies, real drugs, I'm saying. Where does it stop? Yes, and there's the ethics of is it ratzana, Should I be Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> like even yeah, you can go to Unilever. You can go that far, but at some point I can say, you know what? Ethically, this ethically means rasan hashem. This is not right. Rasan hashem means that it's forget about what the halach is. When I'm sitting on a bus and an old person comes on the bus, my body will not allow me to sit because I know the and hashem is that I get up now. Even if the person says, l'halacha, you're, you're, you're putter, because you're fake like you were sleeping when they passed by or you got up and they said, no, it's okay. You're like, okay, I, I asked. <laughs> no, you say, I'm really sorry. I can't, I can't. That's Ratzon Hashem. I want you to ask some questions, but before we do that, I want to uh, end with a story and uh, hopefully this would do. I think so far we could put this on YA <laughs> the questions will, will shut it off um, but maybe for this story uh, uh, my wife will be mad at me but I want to tell the story anyway because it I'm to my wife so my wife tells me a wonderful amazing story I think this is the Ratzel Hashem story she's in the supermarket and very strange Ratzel Hashem we're in Eretz Yisrael and the very strange is that there is a homeless woman it seems like She's packing my wife's bags. She's not employed by the place. So Mastamba, she's doing this, she says, no, 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 it's okay. So my wife says to her, No, it's okay, please, please, you don't have to pack it. No, I want to do it. So the cashier's like, just let her do it. Like she's got nothing to do all day. She's like, mm, you know. And my wife realizes I gotta give her something, you know, right? So um, she finishes and my wife says to her, I'm really sorry, I have no change. You know, we all live in a society now, we have no money, you know, have no change. Go do me a favor. Get yourself a little snack. Get yourself whatever you want, a little snack. Oh, thank you so much. So she goes to get the snack, and the woman behind her is not a religious woman. She's going crazy. What are you doing? My wife's like, No, this is the right thing to do. Cool? This is Rosh Hashanah. She didn't have any money with her. <laughs> so the, they can't find her. They finally find her. It's like three minutes later. And she comes back. She's carrying with her a huge bottle of shampoo. Or the most expensive company, Dr. Prague, whatever, whatever it's, Dr. Fisher's, it's like 42 shekels. My wife's like, I don't even use that. She says, I'm not one going to do, tell her now to buy the one that's on sale for two, two for one, you know, like, nah. So she pays for her. And the woman in back of her says, Ein kamochim. She's like, what? She says, you religious people. I can't believe you just did that. I don't think I would do that. 37, whatever it was. That, hey, had what are you, crazy? My wife said, no, what, how's it going to change my life, 37? Really? It's going to change my life? I'm going to start arguing about it now? Stop. To me, that's an experience of ruts on Hashem. But it's Hashem really one of us? And uh, Dafka talking to people that are in college, the people that are going to decide their careers, uh, this is perhaps the hardest thing. I don't think it's appropriate to tell anybody, you shouldn't be a lawyer. Oh, lawyers are terrible. No, there are some great lawyers out there. There are some great doctors. There are some, and there are bad ones. And there are ones who are stealing and lying and cheating. You have to make that decision. You have to make the decision how you're going to delegate your time. Are you going to be that accountant that uh, works until 11.30 at night and never sees his family? You have to decide that. Or is that something you do for the first few years? Unfortunately, at least I don't have this experience, you know, I don't have dreams at night where the rabbinic tells me what to do. And I wake up in the morning with clarity. I say, ah, shkoyach. It doesn't work like that for us. So that's the hardest part of Ratzon Hashem because the easiest thing is to open up a Savior Havalacha and say, black, white, this is what it tells me to do. Shkoyuch. No, it's much more than that. It's Ratzon Hashem. That's the chus that we should have, that we should follow the ways of Hashem. I think that's probably the important lesson.